Hi, my name is Clarice Ann Santos. I'm majoring in sociology and economics. And for my McNair project, I looked into the unsterile needle acquisition among persons who inject drugs or PWIDs in rural Puerto Rico, comparing between those in and out of treatment. The epicenter of the opioid epidemic has been shifting from urban areas to rural areas, and with this issue comes a considerable rise in rural injection drug use, or IDU. IDU is one of the most important factors in transmitting bloodborne illnesses such as HIV and HCV, which is why in the U.S. from 2010 to 2013, HCV infection rate was up by 150% with the rural areas having the highest increase with 364%. This fact especially holds true in Puerto Rico as from 2005 to 2011, IDU was the exposure category for half of the known AIDS cases. To understand more about this issue, I looked into the Risk Environment Framework, or REF. REF claims that there are limits on individualizing risky behavior as a result of one's decision-making. Therefore, we need to focus on the relationship of drugs to one's social, economic, political, and physical environment instead. By looking to the risk factors found in one's environment, we can better understand how to reduce the transmission of bloodborne illnesses. However, most of the studies that use REF has mostly focused on urban areas rather than rural areas, which is why the purpose of this study is to examine plausible risk factors that increase the chances of injecting risk behavior among people who inject drugs or PWIDs in rural Puerto Rico. Based on the previous studies, I developed two hypotheses. One, participating in an opioid agonist treatment will reduce injecting risk behavior, and two, participants with higher education levels and older injection age will participate in less injecting risk behavior. Samples were recruited between June and November 2019 using Respondent-Driven Sampling, or RDS. RDS is exactly as its name implies as researchers gather an initial group of participants called SEEDS. Upon completion of the survey, the SEEDS are given $30 and three coupons to distribute to people that they know. If the people that they know come in and complete the survey, the SEEDS receive $10 and the current participants receive $30 and three coupons of their own to distribute to people that they know. This cycle repeats itself until funding runs out or until the target sample size is met. All of the participants in the study were divided into two groups, those who are injecting opiates and those who have been injecting but are currently on an opioid agonist treatment. Eligible participants were at least 18 years old and had injected an illicit drug in the past 30 days, and the study was conducted in rural locations about 30 miles southwest of San Juan, Puerto Rico. My independent variables are treatment status, education level, and injection age, and my control variables are gender, injection frequency, and homelessness. My primary dependent variable are risky behaviors at the last time a participant injected with someone. Specifically, did they use a needle after someone else? Did they not use sterile needle? Did they share a cooker, cotton, or water? And did they backload or frontload? Backloading and frontloading are the practice where one syringe is used to prepare a drug solution and then the solution is shifted from one syringe into another with the needle or plunger removed. To analyze the data, I used logistic regressions in a program called STATA, and there were a total of 170 participants. For the dependent variable risky behavior, 3% used a needle after someone else, 12% did not use a sterile needle, 56% shared a cooker, cotton, or water, and 13% engaged in backloading or frontloading. 
Due to the few responses made in the first category with only 3%, it was eliminated from analysis. For my independent measures, education was collapsed into three categories. 36% said that they had less than a high school degree, 47% had a high school degree or GED, and 17% had more than a high school degree. The average participant first injected drug 23 years ago, with years ranging from 0 to 56 in the sample, and 47% of the participants claimed that they are currently in an opioid agonist treatment. For my other measures, 21% are currently homeless and 6% are female. Injection frequency was collapsed into three categories. 30% injected less than once a day, 39% injected one to three times a day, and 31% injected four or more times a day. Due to the few responses made by females, gender was also eliminated from the study. For the risky behavior using unsterile needles, there were no significant association with injection age, treatment status, and any of the other measures. However, the odds of using unsterile needles did decrease by 72% when a participant had a high school diploma or GED compared to having less than a high school degree. For the risky behavior sharing a cooker, cotton, or water, there were no significant associations with any of the primary independent variables. However, the odds of sharing a cooker, cotton, or water did increase by 156% when a participant injected four or more times a day compared to less than once a day. For the risky behavior backloading or frontloading, there were no significant associations with any of the primary independent variables or any of the other outcomes. For the independent variable OAT, my hypothesis was rejected as there were no associations with OAT and any of the outcomes, which is different from the studies that I reviewed, which found association between OAT and a reduction in risky behavior. For the variable injection age, my hypothesis was also rejected as there were no associations between injection age and any of the outcomes, which is also different from the other studies which found an association between injection age and a reduction in risky behavior. And for the variable education level, having a high school or GED was associated with using a sterile needle, however, having more than a high school was not. Therefore, we cannot conclude that there is an association between a higher education level and that particular risky behavior. Education was also not associated with the other outcomes, which is also different from the other studies that I reviewed. And amongst the control variables, only injection frequency had a significant association. Injecting four or more times a day increased the odds of sharing a cooker, cotton, or water compared to injecting less than once a day. This may be the case as more frequent injecting requires more equipment used. My results may exist because Puerto Rico is a unique setting compared to the other studies that I previously reviewed. This study was conducted in rural areas and not urban areas, and Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory found outside of continental United States, so we may have to take into consideration the difference in politics. Puerto Rico was also recently hit with Hurricane Maria, which disrupted their economy and social networks. This study shows that we need to be careful about generalizing other studies into other locations because of the difference in circumstances. For my future work, I plan on analyzing the injection age variable differently. For this study, I treated injection age as a continuous variable. However, it's possible that the learning process happens in the first three years of injecting and not continuously. I also plan on revisiting literature to find similar findings that may explain the results that I have. 
I would like to thank Dr. Patrick Habecker, my faculty mentor and the McNair program for guiding me throughout this entire research.